All right. So how about you? How are you doing with your wallet? We went over personal finance yesterday. I hope you enjoyed that segment. I hope it did you some good. Don't waste money. You're going to need it. Gas prices on the rise. And this is because of President Biden attacking the oil industry. So in March, gas prices rose 9%, 9% in one month. Um, and I told you this was going to happen. Um, gasoline is 93 cents higher than it was a year ago today. All right, 93%. And uh, the highest price in the country is San Francisco. They deserve it. About $4 a gallon out there. So all the taxes and San Francisco's high prices in general. Lowest price in the nation, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, the capital city of the Bayou State. Okay, now let's go to another part of your wallet, grocery prices. I didn't know this, and I'm usually on it. I knew that energy prices, and where do you see your air conditioning bill, you guys in the south, in Arizona, where do you see it? All right, going to be crazy. So grocery prices are up 2%, um, primarily fruits and vegetables. Meat, fish, and eggs risen by a half percent. Well, why is this happening? Why why are grocery prices going up? Well, it's associated with gas. Because the trucks that deliver the groceries have to pay more for gas. So therefore, the delivery prices go up and your grocery prices go up. You see how it's all linked? Okay, so this is going to get a lot worse. Because when uh, President Biden submits his astronomical tax rise on corporations and and the affluent. And I say astronomical because if the corporate tax rate in America goes back to 29 percent or 28 percent, it will be one of the highest in the world, in the developing world. So it's not like me. I'm not saying this. This is the way it is. Um, So once that happens, then every industry is going to raise prices because they're not going to take a 7-8% haircut. They're going to pass the cost along to you. Now, you don't have to buy. And right now is a good time to buy a bunch of stuff because the interest rates are so low. But keep that in mind. It's coming. And your salary is not going up. In fact, people will start to get laid off after the pandemic surge. As I said, the pandemic surge is going to happen between now and November, where people will be out. They'll be spending more money. uh, Venues will be open. Vacations will start up again, all that. But come November, if this price, if this tax rise kicks in, then you're going to start to see it. Maybe after Christmas. Um, Now, once companies are taxed more, they cut back on hiring. And so salaries are going to go down. Remember, one of the hallmarks of the Trump economy was that the median salary range for everybody rose. And, you know, when you hear the progressives say, oh, the Trump economy just benefited the rich, that's a lie. Benefited working Americans most. The stock market was good, so that's what helped the rich. Okay, so uh, just recapping, you got to watch your money because the Biden administration is going to take as much from you, no matter how much you earn, as it can. It's got $5 trillion in new spending on the board. We got $27 trillion in debt now. So the socialism is in full swing. The government does everything. 
provides everything, and then you give the government most of what you have. That is what the progressives want, and Joe Biden's going along with it. So let's go to Minnesota. So the police officer who shot a 20-year-old Dante, uh, she is now going to be charged. Her name is Kim Potter, All right, 26 years on the force. She's going to be charged with second-degree manslaughter, okay? So um, what is that? Basically, a person's culpable negligence violates another person by creating an unreasonable risk and consciously takes chances of causing death or great bodily harm to the other person. So she'll be charged with that. That's second-degree manslaughter. And if convicted, she'd get 10 years in prison. It's another very intense case. The state of Minnesota will bring it. There's no doubt in my mind, because it is a progressive state, they're going to bring it. So this woman who made a mistake, she panicked. Now that I have looked and looked and looked, I, I see panic there. She panicked, 26 years on the force, and shot the uh, kid and... Um, that should never have happened. Now, Fox News is reporting that Antifa has shown up in uh, Brooklyn, Minnesota. I don't know whether that's true. That's what they're reporting. I'm not surprised because uh, Antifa wants the country to be torn down, wants to burn the country. That's what Antifa wants. Let's keep that in mind because we have another segment coming up. So last night, the police arrested 60 people for rioting and other fences, all in Brooklyn, Minnesota. Crowd size is 800 to 1,000 people. All right. Now, the curfew is 7 p.m. to 6. They violated the curfew. They didn't do a lot of damage because the National Guard is out and they are keeping them away from, but they did some. Okay. So uh, 60 arrested, Antifa in the crowd, and... Uh, this is ongoing. Hasn't gotten out of control because of the National Guard. Now, Dante Wright, the uh, young man who was killed uh, by Officer Potter, his story has not been told by the corporate media, which is corrupt, as you know. Now, I am not justifying anything. I'm not trying this case on television. I'm not indicting the police officer or condemning Dante Wright. I am telling you what is in play in this case. The reason the police wanted to cuff Mr. Wright and tried to do that is that he had an outstanding warrant. That means he did not show up to a legal hearing. Mr. Wright was charged and released on $100,000 bail. That's a big ticket. That's 10,000 cash. He was charged with choking a woman and threatening her with a handgun and demanding that she give him $820 that she had on her person. Okay? That's a felony. That's what Mr. Wright was charged with. Now think back. Did you hear that on any of the network news programs or the cable news programs outside of Fox? I didn't. Maybe you did. If you did, let me know, please. Okay? So this is a serious situation that once the police ran the plate of Dante Wright, that outstanding warrant on a serious charge came up. They had to arrest him or try. 
Then he tried to flee. Now, as I said yesterday, you don't shoot anybody unless they have a weapon. And that includes a knife. You don't shoot them for trying to flee because you have their information. You know who they are. You can get them in a more orderly way, orderly way later. If the police officers are in danger, then you can shoot, but not if the police officers are not. And they weren't in danger, as the videotape clearly shows. Wright was trying to get away. All right, again, that's the situation in totality. I've given you all the facts of the case. So we are not going to try this case. That police officer told you yesterday her whole life is ruined. Okay? And Dante Wright is dead. This is horrible. Nothing good about this. But for those of you writing to me, taking one side or another, I, don't, I wouldn't do that. As with the George Floyd case, let it unfold. I've been watching the Floyd defense. It's weak. Right? His lawyers don't have much. Uh, Chauvin's lawyers don't have much. And I expect a second-degree murder conviction in that case. I hope I'm wrong because I never want to see any police officer. All right. He has to be convicted of something, Chauvin. But do I want him to send 20 years in prison? No. I do not believe he intentionally meant to kill Mr. Floyd. But he's going to have to do some time. And that will happen. I believe, because the defense didn't have, I don't know how much. Okay, so there we are. Now, um, the press in America is so corrupt at this point, it's not going to report anything that goes against the narrative that America is bad, that we're a racist country, that white people are bad, that the police are bad. If the narrative goes against that, it will not be reported. What a situation. Everything is expensive these days, you know that. The government is printing trillions of dollars in consumer prices higher than ever. If the government continues its printing and spending, the dollar could continue its freefall and lose its coveted role as the world reserve currency. Let's hope that doesn't happen. But there are a few things you can do right now. American Hartford Gold can show you how to protect your money your retirement, your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. Start with a short phone call, and they can have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or put inside your 401k or IRA. So please call or text them right now. Tell them Bill O'Reilly sent you. Call 877-444-GOLD, 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. Again, that's 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. Pot, marijuana. All right, now I get a lot of letters from people who enjoy marijuana. I don't care. As long as you're an adult and want to smoke marijuana in your house, knock yourself out. I was raised, went to school in the Vietnam era. There was marijuana everywhere. Did I care? No, I didn't really care. I didn't hang out with the stoners. It was boring to me. The strobe light hurt my eyes. All right? Led Zeppelin and uh, what was it? Inagata Davida. I mean, enough already. I didn't need it. I liked fresh air. 
I didn't want smoke in my face. But if you do, if you like it, all right, just don't hurt anybody. Don't get in your car, all right? Don't wander around in an in a inebriated state. Stay in your house. So now New York, uh, third largest state, third, fourth largest state in the, con- in the country, has legalized um, pot for recreational purposes. So this builds on the unbelievable disorder we have in New York City. So let's make it worse. And this is Andrew Cuomo, the governor, and Bill de Blasio, the mayor. I mean, these guys talk about Abbott and Costello. I mean, that's an insult to Abbott and Costello. These guys have destroyed the state and the city, respectively. But let's make it worse. Let's have everybody smoking pot on the subways, in the buses. Let's do that. We only have eight and a half million people. Let's have a million of them lighten up. You can't even smoke cigarettes, but you can light up the pot. Go right ahead. Oh, my God. So, again, if you're an adult and you want to be stoned, okay. All right, don't call me up. I don't want to hang with you, but okay. But the kids, the kids, right? All right, so think back when you were a teenager, 12, 13 years old. Now it's even younger than that. My thug friends out in Levittown, we got Marlboros from older kids. And we would sneak behind the stores and, and light them up and this and that. I tried it twice. It was ridiculous. Smoke in my lungs. I mean, I was an athlete, so I didn't care anyway. But I, I, what is, I never did it again. All right. And then beer. Beer it was everywhere. A summer night. Here come the older kids selling or giving us the beer. We're 12, 13. That's been going on forever in this country. It's been going on forever in all countries. It just happens. Now you're going to introduce a powerful narcotic drug, marijuana, which is 10 times more powerful than it was at Woodstock. It's got all kinds of stuff in it. You can lace it with everything. Now you say, oh, the kids can get it anyway. That's true in some places. In my town here on Long Island, where I am, hard to get it. There are kids selling it, okay, but it's hard. And if the schools find out you have it or you sell it, you're in big trouble. So there's not kids hanging around smoking pot where I am. And I get around. Now, you go into Manhattan, and you see it more. But now you're going to see it everywhere, okay? Kids, 11, 12, 13, are going to get marijuana, and they're going to use it. Boom, their childhood is over. Cuomo doesn't care. De Blasio doesn't care. The people in Colorado don't care. So their childhood is over. So what? Grow up. This is going to lead to a tremendous amount of problems. It has to. There's no way. So if you and your little world want to smoke pot and are happy it's legalized, Okay, but you're not looking out for the kids. You're not. Know that. So in the United States now, there are 15 states, soon to be more, that are legalizing pot. They always say the same thing. Oh, we want the tax money. Well, you're going to spend a lot more tax money for putting kids in drug rehab, all right? And for drunk driving DUIs involving marijuana. And you don't even have a test for that yet. Okay. So there are 15 states and the District of Columbia, of course, um, that have legalized marijuana. 
I want to bring in a guy who knows what he's talking about here. And I had to go all the way to Dublin, Ireland to find him. Okay, his name is Dr. Bobby Smith. And uh, he's a clinical lecturer at Trinity College in Dublin. I was at Trinity a few years ago looking at the Book of Kells, one of the most um, amazing pieces of history in the world. Trinity is an excellent school. So the doctor has uh, studied marijuana, and I'm going to run down some of the things that he's talked about one by one. First, doctor, thank you for coming and talk to us. It's uh, evening over in uh, Ireland, correct? Yes, it is, yeah. Okay. Glad to you- be here about Five hours ahead of us on the East Coast, it's I think. Five hours, yeah. Okay, so you have reported that there's been a five-fold increase in 10th grade students using marijuana in the USA between 1991 and 2020. All right, 20 years about. Five-fold increase. Why is that? Um, I suppose no one knows exactly why. Um, Obviously, uh, as a European-based doctor, I'm trying to look at your policies, your, your cannabis policies in the United States, and they're very, very different to those in Europe. Uh, there was a big movement around medical marijuana, which started in the mid-1990s, and that probably softened up public opinion and perhaps teenage opinion towards, towards cannabis. Uh, and that's obviously been followed by the legalization, uh, which started in Colorado in 2014. And certainly against that backdrop, you've seen this. Um, it's been a bit of an up-down journey uh, from the levels in 1991 to those seen in uh, 2020. But it is a five-fold increase in the number of teenagers, uh, 16-year-olds who are smoking cannabis on a daily basis. That's amazing. Now, I think it's safe to say that there isn't a stigma to smoking pot anymore in the USA. And I guess it's the same in Ireland as well. Certainly it's reduced and it's like I'm quoting data from what's called the Monitoring the Future survey, uh, which is done every year across the United States. Uh, And they also ask young people actually about their attitudes to cannabis, their perception of risk, whether or not they would disapprove of others. And disapproval ratings of other people smoking cannabis have dropped a lot uh, in conjunction with the increased use. So we see that globally, that as perception of risk goes down, use goes up. Did you ever see the movie Fast Times at Ridgemont High? Did you ever see that movie? No, I'm afraid I didn't. No. Okay, so that had Sean Penn as a guy named Spicoli, and very popular here in America. Uh, and he was a stoner, and his crew were stoners, and they were in high school, and they were funny. It was very funny. But yeah. the media's subliminal message in Hollywood, in the news, and everything else is that pot's fine. There's nothing wrong with pot. If you're skeptical about it as I am, you're some kind of weird kook. That's the way it is here. Yeah, and that's a narrative that's really common globally. Um, I, uh, my clinical job is a, I work in an addiction service for teenagers, and I started 18 years ago, and cannabis wasn't really wasn't a big issue. Um, our concern back then were opiates, but cannabis now accounts for probably 70% of my work. And what's really shocked me about the problems I'm seeing amongst the young people I see um given this reputation of it being a chill out drug is that the biggest problem that their families experience is anger aggression threats intimidation from their previously placid you know content teenage son um so that that sort of mood instability and aggressive side of cannabis uh, that we see in our clinical work it has sort of blindsided me based on my expectations that i maybe had 15 years ago or so
So it's not the mellow drug. Why are these kids angry, the kids that are coming to you for help? Why are they angry about why has their personality changed since they started smoking pot? Um, I suppose the, the kids who are seeing me are seeing me because they've lost control of their relationship with this drug. They're addicted to it. So some will be cycling in and out of withdrawals. We used to think cannabis caused withdrawals. We now know it can and does. They're psychological. They're, they're not as the same sort of physical withdrawals you get with heroin or with alcohol. But people get uh, unstable mood um, and problems like that. And having an addiction is stressful. Um, How common um, is marijuana addiction? The, the stat I have is a third of kids who use marijuana on a regular basis, a couple of times a week, get addicted to it. Is that accurate? Yeah, that, that is accurate. It's about one third. Um, okay, so once you get addicted to it, that means you need it. You have to use it. And then yeah. you're saying that that develops some kind of psychosis and your personality changes? Uh, I wouldn't call it a psychosis. I would call it certainly for many of the young people, it's a, 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 an increased liability to anger, uh, particularly actually with people closest to them, uh, as in their family. Uh, the issue around psychosis is certainly a concern um, um, for a, a smaller minority of young people. The research okay. which... It, Last question, and, and I want you to put on your drug rehab hat here. In my house, we have no tolerance for drugs. So my kids can't use them and still live in the house. All right. They know that they don't use them. All right. Because we've had a lot of discussions and we discuss all of this. And the same thing with booze. Nobody's coming home drunk. Nobody's getting drunk. All right. I said, you want to do that when you're an adult, you go ahead. But you're not doing it here. It's my responsibility as a parent to keep you sober and to keep you healthy in the best way I can. And the best way I can is telling you, no, there'll be a severe sanction if you use drugs and alcohol. So far, that's worked for me. But am I on the right track here or should I be more understanding? Uh, no, I would certainly encourage parents to have a high expectation that your kids make healthy choices and not engage in unhealthy behaviours. I mightn't be so fast to say kick them out of the house if they were to slip or mess up. Uh, I wouldn't kick I them out. Okay. I wouldn't kick them out, but there would be a sanction. All right. Yeah. There would be absolutely. Uh, they'd have to go to talk to somebody like you. There would be privileges taken away. All of that. That all makes sense to me, that I think it's good for parents to give a clear, unambiguous message that we think this is a, a dangerous, risky thing for you to do. And there's some consequence where people fall short of those expectations. You know, I know parents who smoke pot in front of their kids because it's pretty hard to hide it in the house with the smell. I know I know parents who do that. I think that's child abuse. Um, certainly all the research indicates where the more substances a parent uses, the more likelihood that a kid is going to go down the same path and run into difficulty as well. Thank you for helping us, doctor. We appreciate it. Say hello to all my pals over in Ireland, okay? Thank you. Thanks, Bill. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, let's get to politics. So Joe Biden, he wants $2.5 trillion for infrastructure. Now, that's a ruse. Everybody knows it's a ruse. This money will be, if it's okayed, will be used for civil rights, gun violence, climate change, education, medical research. A very small part of it will be used for infrastructure. But the Biden administration, oh, this is all infrastructure. We've got to rebuild America. It's, it's not true. It's a bunch of bull. And Biden knows that the Republican Party knows it's a bunch of bull. But he wants to try to reach some compromise. Roll the tape. Last week, I said that once Congress is back from recess, I'd get to work right away because we have no time to lose. So here we are. Democrats and Republicans will have ideas about what they like and what they don't like about our plan. That's that's a good thing. That's the American way. That's the way democracy works. Okay, fine. Um, The way democracy works is that you before you go out and spend almost six trillion dollars, money the United States doesn't have. All right, remember we owe twenty-seven trillion, soon to be thirty-three if you do the math. Um, and and you threaten to raise taxes on all affluent people and corporations. Before you do that, you might want to consult with the opposing party. <laughs> no. Okay, so um, this is socialism. And we're going to get to that. We have a good guest on this in a moment. Now, Biden, does he know what socialism? He'd never admit it in a million years. I don't know if he knows or not. I think he's diminished, as I said, but I don't know what he knows. Now, a Marxist American, uh, the leader of the Black Lives Matter Global Foundation, one of my favorite persons, Patrice Chan Colors. I don't know where the Chan came from. Last time it was just Patrice Colors, but now it's Patrice con colors. Okay, so she uh, is a teacher. She's a teacher at Otis College of Art in LA. All right. And she runs, along with two other people, the Black Lives Matter Global Foundation. And she's a Marxist. She says it. I mean, Patrice is not misleading anybody. But somehow, um, she just bought a home in Topanga Canyon, north of Los Angeles, for $1.4 million. There it is. And Topanga Canyon is 90% white. Not a lot of um, African-Americans in Topanga Canyon. She's got three other houses. Now, she just signed a deal with Warner Brothers. Nobody knows what that deal is. So maybe they gave her a pack of money. And if they did, then that's fine. But if she's a Marxist, I don't know why isn't she giving that money to the people? Uh, are we all going to go into Panga Canyon and be welcome there? I, I, that's what Marxists do. You know what? Everybody had share the land to share the land. That's Marxism. No private property. But Patrice Cullors is four houses. That's private property. Um, 
And I thought it was pretty interesting. And then we uh, took another look at the Black Lives Matter uh, Global Foundation funding. $90 million last year, corporations and individuals sent to BLM Global Foundation. $90 million. You know what their expenses were? $8 million. Well, let's do the math again. That means $82 million is floating around. Hello, Topanga Canyon. <laughs> okay? It's not illegal. She could say, oh, that's my office. I'm going to work out of uh, Topanga Canyon. Not illegal. And the money goes not directly to BLM. It goes through the Tides Foundation, which is this far left outfit that funds all the other far left. Because BLM Global Foundation is not tax free yet. So this is a labyrinth of stuff to dodge taxes. To dodge taxes. And Colors doesn't pay taxes on the 82 million left over. She just buys a house. Or four houses. Okay, so this is what Marxism has come to. I asked my staff to dig up the recent poll on socialism. I don't believe the poll, but I'm going to say it to you anyway. The Hill put it out. Um, 971 registered voters. Um, do you believe in capitalism? 62% say yes. 43% say no. That adds up to more than 100%. So anyway. There's a substantial number of people who want socialism in this country. I don't think that is uh, false. I think that's true. Let's bring in Cheryl Chumley. Now, Cheryl put out a book last year that I read when it came out. It was, it's called Socialists Don't Sleep. Christians Must Rise or America Will Fall. Cheryl is also the online opinion editor for The Washington Times, a conservative newspaper. So first of all, Cheryl, why do Christians have to get involved with socialism and capitalism? Thank you for having me, Bill, and great question. And of course, it's not simply Christians to save America from socialism, but I believe that Christians have the long-term saving uh, graces. And mostly because if you look at what Christians are taught, that they have an individual relationship with Jesus based on gifts that God gives you at birth. And part of your mission in life as a Christian is to go forward and to uh, exploit, for lack of a better word, those talents. And it's all about the one-on-one -on -one relationship. It's not about putting government in between and doing everything that you do in life for the good of the state. It's all about glorifying God. And the second big reason why Christians are in a, a great spot to save America is that Christians recognize the, that humans are born into sin. And that automatically makes them reliant on a higher power for their moral compasses. And part of the reason our nation is where it's at right now, uh, falling due to political scandals and corruption, is because people in the culture don't look to a higher power for their moral compass. Okay, but is socialism immoral in your opinion? Are yes. you committing a sin if you are a socialist? Um, I think socialism is immoral because it puts government at the top of your priority list, where it should be, as a Christian, God. Okay. Is Joe Biden a socialist? He's certainly uh, signing off on all the socialist programs. He wants the government to run pretty much everything. Is he a socialist? Do you think he knows where he is in this uh, economic arena? 
You know, in my book, I talk about the problem with socialism in America is that we all get hung up on socialism with the capital S, labeling something socialist versus not socialist. And the problem is that we do that and we ha engage in these scholarly debates, but we forget it's the small s socialism, the principles of socialism that ultimately bring about the larger card-carrying socialists in political office. So you can call Joe Biden a socialist or not a socialist, but what I see is the bigger problem is that he is advancing steadily socialist principles and socialist agendas into America's politics and economy. Well, I said yesterday on this broadcast, as a historian, I've analyzed his first two and a half months, and he's by far the most radical left president in the history of this country. Uh, FDR would be second, but FDR is not even close. So I just wonder whether in his diminished state, President Biden even knows how crazy left he's become. Do you have an opinion on that? I don't think he does. I, I think Joe Biden, his mental uh, faculties aren't at 100 percent. I think that Joe Biden was brought into the White House as a puppet for the far left, which really describes most in the Democrat Party nowadays. I have a chapter in my book that analyzes and compares and contrasts the Democrat Party platform with the Socialist Party platform and the Communist Party platform, and they are essentially one and the same. So whether Joe Biden understands and acknowledges that he's forwarding and furthering socialism in America, I doubt it, but the far left that's pushing the agenda through him, they surely do. That's right, and my analysis concurs with yours. Final question, you're in the media, I get this question all the time. The media is enabling America's move to socialism. And these are the biggest companies, Disney, Comcast, um, CNN, which is run by AT&T. I mean, do they want the capitalistic system torn apart, in your opinion? I think so. I, I truly well, why do. Why would they want that, though? It goes against their profit in, you know, their profit motivations. You would think that in America, where the capitalistic system is supposed to shine. But if you look at what's going on on a global scale, you have what's called the Great Reset from the World Economic Forum, where they want to redefine capitalism and base it not so much on profits and profit margin, but instead on social justice causes. And if you look at how that's trickled into America in recent months, Coca-Cola versus Pepsi rushing to put out there who defends the Black Lives Matter movement more. Just look at what the corporations are doing, all the wokeness that's going on now. And you can't seriously say that these companies are in it for the money. Well, I don't think they're smart enough, these CEOs. They certainly aren't uh, intelligent enough to really know what the big picture is, in my opinion. Cheryl, thank you very much. The book is Socialists Don't Sleep. You might want to check that out. We appreciate you helping us out tonight, Cheryl. I'm Mike Slater from the podcast Politics by Faith. This is a crazy time in our country. It's stressful, a lot of anxiety, and it's going to get worse. And I realized that one of the things that helps me take away the stress is realizing that there's nothing new under the sun. So on this podcast, we take the news of the day and we run it through the Bible and other periods in history to realize that we've been through this before and we can rise above again. Politics by Faith, anywhere you listen to the podcast. Politics by Faith. Here's my favorite story. So you remember that uh, President Biden appointed his vice president, Kamala Harris, to be in charge of the border. Okay. 
Well, Kamala Harris didn't like that at all. All right. Now, I told you from the very, very beginning that Joe Biden does not like Kamala Harris. Okay, he doesn't like her because she embarrassed him and called him a racist during the Democratic primary debate. Okay, so he appoints her knowing Kamala Harris not going to do anything about the border and she's going to look stupid if she tries because she'll fail. Kamala Harris is smart enough to know she was being set up. So she was appointed the ambassador to the border, okay, and refuses to go. She won't go there. Now, Biden's so weak that he can't force her to go. Now, if Trump told Mike Pence to jump, Mike jumped. If he said, hey, you got to go over to uh, Quizikistan someplace, (laughs) Mike was on a plane. Okay, now, when President Trump said, hey, don't certify the electoral vote, Pence had to. Had to. So he couldn't. But Mike Pence was a good vice president in the sense he did what Donald Trump asked him to do for the sake of the country. Kamala Harris not going to the border. (laughs) And the guy, the president of El Salvador, have you seen this guy? He looks like Mark Anthony, you know, the singer. uh, That's the president of El Salvador looks like a young guy. He's not going to meet with any of the Biden people. He doesn't want to meet with them. And Biden, oh, no, no, we're going to go down and solve all their problems. Look, we're not meeting with you. But the best part of this story is Harris going, I'm not going to the board. I'm not going to do anything. I don't want this job because I know why he's giving it to me. So I look like a schmo. It's such a good story. Now, here's not a good story. Since Biden was sworn in, more than 350,000 foreign nationals have been detained by Border Patrol. Most of them, and I don't have a number on it, okay, are here. 350,000 in two and a half months. And, and hundreds of thousands coming. And what's yo doing? They don't know what to do. Kamala, won't you get down? Would you go down, please, and, and stop the 350,000 coming over? There was an interesting article, and the title of the article over the weekend was, If It's Not Broken, Biden Will Break It. <laughs> the old saying, if it's not broken, don't fix, you know, don't fix it. <laughs> COVID, Okay. So Canada, our friends to the north, have socialized medicine, okay? That means the government controls your medical care, okay? So in Canada, there's a surge of COVID, and it's shut down. So I said Toronto Blue Jays have to go to Florida to play the games. So cases in the last two weeks are up 89%, deaths up 30, according to the New York Times COVID tracker. I hope that's not anonymous sources there, but uh, so 89% up COVID cases, deaths up 30% in Canada, coast to coast. So the prime minister, little Justin Trudeau, okay, he doesn't know what to do. So he's closing everything. All right. So in Canada, 19% of the population, and remember their population is what, 20 million? Is that what it is? It's around 20. Maybe I have that wrong, but is that, you know, we have 330 million. They don't have 
very many in Canada. 19% of Canadians have received at least one dose of the vax. Here, it's 33%. Why? What's the difference? We made it. That's why we made the vax. Operation Warp Speed under President Trump. What did Justin do? Nothing. What did the Canadian pharmaceuticals companies do? Nothing. Because it's socialized. That's what governments do. Nothing. They don't invent anything. Ever. For you socialists out there. Cancel culture. Fighting back at the University of Vermont. This is a great story. There is a professor there named Aaron Kinsvater. All right. And he is objecting to the University of Vermont attacking white people. Roll the tape. The problem is, is that there's a new kind of discrimination on campus that's going on that I really feel that we need to talk about. And I think that everybody is afraid to talk about it. And this discrimination is against whiteness, that the same logic that informs what's currently being called whiteness right now can easily find its way to desperate persons who need a group to hate and who will adopt the suppositions that inform whiteness towards their own ends. For that, there's a demand for that professor to be fired. You can't stick up for white people. So the Vermont University of Vermont Provost, Patricia Prelock, sent an email out saying, quote, we will continue to lean into, very good, lean into, our diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts and in so doing, create further opportunities to strengthen our community. We know there is anger, pain, and sadness when the lived experience of individuals committed to inclusion are denied or diminished. Oh, very woke. Isn't that so woke? So anyway, they can't fire the professor, Kinsvater, because he got tenure. No, he's protected, which is the only reason he could say that. But the petition is out for him to be fired, okay? And a petition has gotten 3,435 signatures, all right? Let's fire the professor for making a very intelligent observation that if you hate white people, that's not gonna be good, okay? So no, we wanna fire, this is change.org does this, one of the most vile, vicious groups in America. But here's the good news at the University of Vermont. Sticking up for the professor are 4,502 petitioners. It's a petition sticking up for him, outnumbering the fired people. University of Vermont, Burlington, Vermont. Okay, Bernie Sanders territory. Okay, here's real culture. That was cancel culture, real culture. Guess what the most successful movie of the year is so far? Guess, ready? Roll tape.
that doesn't look too welcoming to me. They might need safe spaces watching that thing. Godzilla vs. Kong made almost 400 million so far. <laughs> oh. Okay, here's a final thought of the day. So on December 2nd, 2020, I said this. So my blood sugar is high. I knew it. I knew it. It's hereditary, but I eat too much junk because it tastes good. I like ice cream. I like uh, the little muffins. I got to cut it all out. No more sugar. And I did. So yesterday I went back in for the blood test and everything's fine. I'm like a model now for my age. So how did I do it? Well, I replaced. So the drinks, the soft drinks, the fruit drinks, orange juice, iced teas, Snapple, all of this stuff loaded with sugar. More sugar than you can believe. Just look at the label and see how many grams. A little thing of Coke, like 30 grams of sugar, gone. And I replaced it with this drink, and I told you about it, and then now one of our sponsors called Trio, T-R-E-O, and water. Okay, so I got the, I got the Poland Spring. So between the trio and the water, I'm fine. I'm hydrated. And the trio didn't have any sugar. It's an amazing drink. And then I replaced the desserts with products from Skinny Dipped. One word, skinnydipped.com, I guess. I get them from the store. And they're delicious. And they're just as good as the sugar desserts. And I don't have much sugar at all. And I didn't. I knocked out the bread. And I only eat sourdough bread because sourdough bread doesn't turn to sugar and boom and i have more energy my suits fit better the terror dog i'm dragging the terror dog now she used to drag me so i'm telling you sugar can kill you leads to diabetes causes all kinds of problems obesity you can knock it out like i did it's not that hard and once in a while you can have a, a you know an ice cream or something like that but bring it down. This is like the best tip I am ever giving you. Thanks for watching. We'll see you tomorrow.